This episode is brought to you by Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class is an online video platform geared towards making you a better hunter. Watch instructional videos taught by hunting experts like Remy Warren, Randy Newberg, and Corey Jacobson. After the hunt, learn how to prepare your harvest from world-class wild game chefs like Hank Shaw and Jamie Tagan. Whether it's your first year hunting or you grew up doing it, Outdoor Class will take your skills up a notch. Use code EMPIRE20 at checkout to save 20% off. Visit OutdoorClass.com to learn more. Bowtech Archery prides themselves on offering a bow for everyone. Whether you have a short draw length, a long draw length, pull 70 pounds or 40 pounds, you're a bow hunter or a target archer, they offer a bow that can be customized to fit your body type. On top of that, their deadlock technology allows you to fine-tune your arrow flight. Visit BowTechArchery.com and check out the SR350 and the CP28. Bowtech Archery, refuse to follow. Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast with your hosts, Nate and Micah. Um, we're officially recording a different day than we started. <laughs> I know. Started one day, ended up on another day. That's okay, though. It's been a fun night of yeah. podcasting. A lot of podcasting getting done tonight. Yeah. So. Who did uh, we have on tonight, man? Dude, we had the the legend. Can you call, you can call him a legend, right? I can call him that. Yeah, the legend Zach Farinball from the Hunting Public, who is just a uh, absolute killer and a wizard at ground hunting. So we well, he's a wizard at hunting in general, general. But he but kinda, especially he has really mastered, I guess, the art of hunting from the ground. So if you guys watch, I'm sure all of our listeners are aware of you know who zach is but uh, if you're not go check him out at uh the hunting public on youtube and you know they're putting out content yeah. all the time so uh but he um he kind of his specialty is hunting from the ground and that's who that's what we have him on for tonight and we get into it we get into the thick of it and you know a lot of good information so if you guys are thinking about you know hunting from the ground at some point or this might give you the the gumption to just start hunting from the ground so, well, but we'll get into some sponsors. It's it's a long episode. It's a long episode. It was uh, full of good information. Uh, I'm really into the possible, like we talked about in the show, how much I don't enjoy running a gun in sometimes because of what I get into. And so this is what w- was great about this show. Kind of talk about hunting on the ground, like he was saying. Um, so we're going to run through the sponsors right quick uh, so we can get into the meat and potatoes of today's show. Uh, Onyx Maps. Use the code MWW20 for 20% off. Go to onyxmaps.com to use that code. Yep, go to the website. Can't do it from the app. No, you can't. So, Lucky Buck Mineral. Uh, get out there. You still need to be putting some out this time of year. Just kind of keeping it around. That way all the deer know where it's at. So, we really enjoy their stuff. Uh, it's a good product. So, yeah, go check them out. <laughs> it's a good product. It is a good product. There you go. So, uh, Athlon Optics, yep, um, newer sponsor of ours. Obviously, you guys just heard this last week. Uh, excited to be working with them. Yep, uh, check out their stuff. 
Um, we've, we've been using them for quite a while anyways, even before uh, we got uh, partnered up with them. But uh, we really, me and Andy especially, we've been using their stuff for a few years now, and we're really big fans of all the stuff that they have to offer. And, you know, they're top-notch company, great people to work with. Uh, so if you guys are looking for optics, whether it be, you know, scopes, binoculars i'm a real big fan of the tripod man i was messing around with that the other day and it is just that thing is just sweet yep so yeah, it was so go to athlonoptics.com find a dealer near you yeah so midwest uh, midwest gunworks you can use the code mww5 for five percent so and that's uh anything you can find in their store you can get that five percent off river's edge tree stands uh, oh, am I supposed to come in? It's a little late to do, you know, to be buying tree stands, but hey. if you're needing something right now, yeah, get on RiversEdgeTreeStands.com. Use the code Missouri ten for ten percent off, plus free shipping, which is big. Yep, uh, on any hang on or ladder stand. Yeah, uh, Cutty Back Trail Cams. Use the code MWW twenty two for ten percent off if you can find something. Yeah, um, and last but not least, Camo Fire and Black Ovis. Uh, Camo Fire, get on your app. On the daily, yep. check out those deals, especially now. Uh, they've probably got some really good deals on stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff. You know, they have a lot of good stuff this time of year. Yep. So, also, Black Ovis, get on there. We really like their Aero ID, uh, and, you know, we use quite a bit of their stuff as it is. So, but use the code MWW10 for 10% off. But uh, That's the sponsors. Let's get into the show. That's the fastest we've done sponsors, I think, in a uh, while. Probably so. We did a good job. So. Okay, yeah, yeah, let's get in the show with Zach Farrenbaugh with the Hunting Public. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. Okay, with us tonight, we got Zach Farrenball with the Hunting Public. Zach, what's up, man? Not much. Just living like a hermit in this hotel room. <laughs> the rest of the guys, which was Jake and Nick, they left. Uh, midday today and I was like trying to decide where I was going next and I'm like before I really decide I'm just gonna sit down and start editing this video and just chill out for a day sometimes it's kind of nice to just like yeah take a shower sit at a desk not sit outside yeah and uh, yeah that's what I'm doing right now just being a hermit been editing and we uh this late night call we uh (laughs) said it let's see we set this uh we set this podcast up about Mm, two hours ago yeah right <laughs> yeah. um i'd been i'd been messaging back and forth with zach and you know i obviously know who the hunting public is and how busy he is right now and it's going to get even worse over the next couple weeks probably for them and he's like hey i'm in a hotel room right now i could do it tonight so i'm i texted mike and i'm like hey we're doing two tonight dude just <laughs> yeah. so you know be a late <laughs> night. that's all right so are you at least in central time right now Yes, I am. Okay, that's good. Time, so. that's well, good. I was actually hoping I had to think about it for a minute, but I'm I live in Mountain Time, so I was thinking, oh, nice, like it'll be an hour before, and I was like, oh no, I'm no actually it won't be Central Time. So yeah, <laughs> nice. Well, before we it's get into today's topic, which is uh, one that we're excited about, or I'm especially excited about talking to you about, is ground hunting. Introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them uh, who you are and what the hunting public is. Uh, well, I'm Zach Farrenbaugh. I grew up in Ohio. 
currently live in Colorado. In between living in those two states, I guess I lived in Iowa, which is where the hunting public started. I met um, Aaron and Greg working at Midwest Whitetail, and we worked there. I worked there for just under two years, and then uh, Aaron, like seven, I think, Greg, like eight, somewhere in there. Anyway, we wanted to do uh, our own video series, basically um, showing public land hunting and traveling to hunt public land. And that was just huge interest of ours. We had started doing it with turkeys and we were also producing Cabela's spring thunder at that time. And that's when like the conversation started of like, how can we, how can we travel to hunt? You know, how can we do this and do public land hunting? And you know, what, what, I don't know, what would the interest be there? And we brainstormed on it for a while and just, you know, kind of hit a point where we felt like we, you know, couldn't do it at Midwest Whitetail. And we just were like, well, I mean, it's kind of now or not. It's like, we'll try it. If it doesn't work, then probably, we'll, you know, go out of the hunting industry just because it's like the hunting industry, I guess, is maybe not, you know, not for us just because like we talked about a little bit before this, it's just like we, we wanted to create videos that were relatable doing what we do you know hunting right public land um we do hunt you know occasionally i guess guys in the group will hunt like some private like family property type stuff or you know some small permission stuff or whatever but you know for the most part it's public land and it's all just diy public land hunt or you know diy deer turkey elk horn public hunting is what the interest is and um, been doing it for five years already this is our maybe our sixth season is that right 17 18 19 20 21 22 yeah this is our yeah. sixth season yeah. that's awesome i can count yeah that's yeah, awesome so man I mean, crazy, and congratulations on your success oh and also congrats on a is it a million subscribers on youtube half half a million half Shit. A, okay we were just talking about that <laughs> like, i'm like i just saw a post the other day about something exactly yeah, which is huge and, and hu yeah. a huge thanks to like everybody that has supported it because you know we just kind of you know young guys chasing a, a dream to you know create hunting videos doing it with their buddies and just yep. you know been been unbelievably lucky and i'm super thankful that people have supported it over the years because if people didn't watch I mean, we wouldn't be able to do it and it's well, it's just awesome we've been huge fans of it and you know i've been accused of this a few times and you know i'm trying to do my best not being a fanboy right now but you know we we had uh early on in our podcast we had aaron on mm -hmm. and aaron being from missouri originally was mm -hmm. somebody like i related to right off the bat yeah and uh it was difficult not to fanboy with him too, you know, because I mean we've been we watched you guys, you know, since you be began yeah, and, and really enjoy it, and we identify just like you said. That's what you were trying to go go for, is mm -hmm. identifying with the the normal person that would do the same thing you guys are doing. Um, yeah, and I mean, I th I'd like to think too that even if you know. Even if you think of yourself as not a normal person, <laughs> which is <laughs> you, have, you have a lot of like land or whatever, like also just like communicating tactics in general is like another thing that's fun for us. Like, yeah, not necessarily, you know, 
limiting it to public land, like I am always interested to hear just different strategy in general. I learn a lot from other hunters, period. Like I was just thinking today, like, man, there's all these like little snippets that I remind myself of constantly that I heard from just either somebody completely random or somebody on a podcast or a video. And it's just, you know, I think we learn together and I'm, I'm happy to share the things that I have learned and I'm always interested to hear other people's opinions on strategy, especially like I love talking deer strategy to the point where I've missed out on a lot of sleep over the years because I'm staying up too late talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I mean, you're, yeah, you're right. I mean, like we were talking about before we recorded, started recording, Mike and I have been hunting primarily private. That doesn't stop us from watching you guys. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. Now that's changed a little bit this year for me, which is, you know, we're 127 episodes into our podcast now. I think we've been going for three years or whatever it is now. Sweet. And we, I've, I've wanted to have you on our show since the beginning, but <laughs> it, it really hit me these last few weeks when I started hunting public, mm-hmm. n- no pun intended. Um, and on the ground that I'm like, mm-hmm. man, I really need to reach out to Zach because I'm sure he'll say yes because Aaron was awesome and was the same way, <laughs> but, you know, just hadn't done it to this point. So yeah. that's what, you know, we're going to kind of get into today is if, if anybody doesn't know, first off, you need to go check out the Hunting Public on their YouTube page and their YouTube channel. And Aaron, or not Aaron, sorry, Zach is a, a pretty good ground hunter like he he is i mean you you've killed a lot of stuff you do a lot of killing on the ground and that has its own set of like adventure and challenges but um and not to say you don't get up in a tree but you know out of all of you hunting public guys (laughs) you're on the ground more than anybody and uh so i have been paying attention to a lot of what you're doing because i am one of those guys who it seems it just is just me I'm, I'm not, neither of us are run and gun studs, right? Like, mm-hmm. but it seems like to me, every time I run and gun somewhere, something goes wrong. Like <laughs> it takes me 45 minutes to find a tree that I can hang in. And then when I find mm-hmm. that tree, I get up there and I've got zero shooting lanes because it's a, mm-hmm. a whatever, or, you know, you guys have experienced it all with the hunting public. Yeah. So yeah. you know what I'm talking about. It just seems like every time I've tried it it doesn't go well. And so I revert to, well, F it, I'm going on the ground. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. So what, um, when did you kind of like start preferring being on the ground and what kind of led to, I mean, was it some of what I just said or what, what do you enjoy about being on the ground? Um, so it's kind of an evolution. I can tell you, you know, kind of that whole story as as quickly as I can um hitting hitting the major you know the most important parts I guess is take as much time as you need man 2015 I was an intern at Midwest Whitetail and when I was there I was introduced to Whitetail Adrenaline my buddy Eric Barber had one of their DVDs and he's like you've never seen it and I'm like yeah I mean I've, I've heard of it Actually, the same buddy that I was talking about that told me that the that stat, yeah, uh, he he introduced me to it, um, and he was like, "Hey, like these guys are," or he told me about it. He didn't introduce it, but he told me about it. He's like, "Hey, these guys are 
like doing crazy stuff. They're hunting all public land. They're hunting all off the ground. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's cool. And I just like never bought a DVD because I was a college kid that didn't want to spend any money. But I had heard, but I thought it sounded cool. Well, then Eric Barber gives me the opportunity to watch it. And I just like lose my mind. I binge it. I watch all of like the DVDs that he has. And then anytime I can like buy another one and I'm just like watching them like crazy. And I'm just completely fascinated by these guys doing something that, you know, at the time I didn't even know anybody else did at all. You know, it's just like you grow up hunting a certain way and, you know, your influences are, I mean, for the most part, everybody's influence is kind of the same. It's like, Hey, get in the tree, sit there, don't move. You know, here's kind of the boxes you want to check to like, you know, stay hidden and get a shot off, whatever. And I just never had thought that this is possible, especially with a bow, you know, with a gun, it's a little bit different and it makes a little bit more sense, I think. But with a bow, it's just like, man, this is insane. And like to watch them just kind of routinely do this. And I was like, I got, I got to like start understanding this more mm -hmm. because I didn't. Like when I first started, I was just feel like I'm in the, I was asking myself the same questions a lot of people ask me now. It's like, you know, like, how do you not get, you know, how do you not just like get bust all the deer? It's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, at the <laughs> time it's like, I don't know that either. You know, you just like, you just start trying stuff. So that's what I did in 2016. I went on my first ground hunts and they were just, they look so much different than what they do now. It was go into a spot and just like sit down on the ground because I wanted to just try that. I just mm -hmm. wanted to see what, what that was like. I didn't want to carry a stand. I just, I'd always hated carrying a stand. Um, well, they're a pain in the heavy. butt. They really are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, and I, honestly, I don't really care how good a shape you're in. It's just like, they don't, it's uncomfortable. They're heavy. They're loud. And no matter what, like you don't practice like moving around in the woods with a tree stand on your back trying to be quiet right so you're loud you're planking on stuff and like you know whether it be that or or sticks in a in a saddle it's still stuff hanging off your back right and i just i didn't i didn't like the idea of having extra stuff so anyway 2016 just plopping myself on the ground start having a few encounters with deer I remember having a doe at like eight yards at a water hole and like doe and a fawn. And it was just like, okay, like we can do this. You know, it's going to look, it's going to look a lot different, but we can do it. And, um, I do, I remember that one really clearly. The first one was with Corey. We set up on the ground in a fence row with a decoy. We didn't see any deer. And then the next one was with Danny. And this is these couple guys that were working at Midwest Whitetail at the time. And, the second, well, the second one with Danny, like we were like in them and it was like, dude, this is going to be sweet when it works. So anyway, season progresses and I do a little bit more ground hunting. I don't remember all the details of them, but, um, I was filming Bill Winky, who is, mm -hmm. or who was the owner of Midwest Whitetail. And, um, it was my job to film him day in and day out. So if he wanted to hunt, I was filming him. So I was limited on how much time that I had to, to go hunting on my own tag. But I had a bunch of places like scouted out. Aaron and I had spent tons of time scouting that off season and um, other buddies too that were working there. And 
um, hunting together, Bill and I, until November 10th. I think he shot the buck that he was calling skinny. It's like pretty cool. I don't know. I'm like real, really like watching that old footage is like bucks coming in and he's got his tongue hanging out in the food plot. And I don't know. It was pretty, pretty cool, pretty cool and day and hunt. And then, then all of a sudden it's November 10th and I've got the whole rest of the month in Iowa to bow hunt. And, uh, it was Bill's second tag that he'd filled. So he, um, I was pumped too. Like it was a pretty big deal. I mean, Aaron and I were partying on the way back to town. Cause it was like, well, we get to now go. Cause he had filled his buck tag that year Yeah, on public on October 30th. So he was just like dying for somebody to go with. And anyway, I know I can go. And I kind of just ended up doing more of the same old. I kind of like went back to my old ways. It was like, well, I have not really hunted much up to this point. And now I'm running out of time. I better just do what I'd safe. You know, I kind of what you know. This is what I know. Yeah. 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 So again, I think it's a holdup. It's like, it's the same things as anybody else that's trying to do it is you're going to find the, I think you're going to find the same exact like struggles I did where you're just like, Ooh, safety net, like comfort zone. Right. Like I'm going back to that because I know, I know I can pull it off doing this. I don't know that I can pull it off, you know, on the ground. So I ended up shooting a buck in 2016 with Corey um, in a spot that Aaron and I and another guy had scouted, but I was in a tree stand. And I remember at the end of that season, it was like, I'm done with this. Like, I do dislike it. It's becoming not fun. And I'm sitting here looking forward to turkey season so much more. And why is that? Like, why is it that? I like turkey hunting so much more. And it's like the answer is that I get to move around. I don't have to sit in one spot. Freedom. You know, it's like freedom, right? Yeah. Okay. You start a turkey hunt and you're like, well, I'm going to go up to the highest point or wherever in the the opening that I can hear the most. And then it's free game. There's no rules. There's no agenda. And it felt like with deer hunting, it was always like, get up early, pack your stand and sticks tight put them on your back, be miserable for a mile through the woods, <laughs> set them up in the di- and hope that daylight's not hitting, you know, like all these things. And I just eventually got to a point where I'm like, next year I'm doing way less of this or, you know, and then the same thing, it was like 2017 comes around. I start kind of doing, I, I would say definitely more ground hunting. This is ground hunting. It's also when I started hunting with Jake mm-hmm. um, from THP. Yep. So we had started THP too at this point and I was hunting with him and Jake just had more confidence because Jake learned how to hunt a little bit more from the ground. So his grandpa only hunts from the ground, bow hunter. And he does like a lot of, you know, setups where he's just tucked away somewhere sitting on, you know, a stool or something. So Jake has more confidence than you know, I even did at this point in in it because he knows it works and he's done it, but we start messing around with that, but we're still carrying stands. And I remember the day before we ended up shooting a buck, it was, it was like, you know what, this, we had a brutal day where it was like, something went wrong. Everything we did is like, we went too far and then we wanted to go back and we couldn't find a tree. It's just like, we hung up there and we didn't see anything. And then we trudged the stands back out. And I remember being like, tomorrow, like, no more of this. Like, we're going ground, and, like, we're going to change it up a lot. And that day, we did, like, 
it was like the the first day of like the true what i felt like is when we finally hit mobile hunting it's like we went into a spot we saw another hunter we went to this spot walked in the wind started kind of going wrong we're like you know what let's bail on this went somewhere else saw a big buck close to a place that we hunted you know we're like well you know take note of that he's not on public but you know we said we drove around a little bit and then we ended up in a spot that we had scouted in the summer killed a buck and a ground set up and it was like from there it was like that's all that's all i really want to do um also another side note is that that same season i spent a bunch of time with jake and brody in nebraska and hunting out there it was like well you pretty much have to be on the ground in a lot of right, these situations right. end up shooting a buck out of a tree stand um but you know again from that point on 2017 season on it was like let's just keep trying this and just keep learning about it because again still watching white tail adrenaline still know that these guys are like doing it and i'm like it's so much more fun to me, you know, that, that was the realization. It's like, if I don't have to carry that stand, if I don't have to try to set up before dark, like all these stress, stressful things, I don't have to do it anymore if I don't want to. Right. Yeah. Because now there's no, and I, and I was like, I kind of started setting goals for myself too, where it's like, how can I just do it in a place that like people, you know, really don't do it like a bigger timber setting like i you know at first it was like well you can do that in iowa and i mean this is this is pretty hilarious too like the evolution of the like acceptance of it because there was some straight hate mail early like you know get out of a get out of a stand you're gonna ruin the public land blah blah like you know kind of out of control but that, then that's like, surprising to me i don't understand why that would matter yeah, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. They must yeah. think you're just yeah. blowing deer out left and right or something. He's just like yeah. running through the timber. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And and it's like, yeah, it, it's like, yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole <laughs> side tangent that I won't go down. But yeah, everybody makes mistakes in the woods, like period. Like whether, no matter what your situation is, like people are bumping deer. Like well, how, how's, you know, anybody and everybody can be and and I guess, I started setting like different goals and I really liked, I really liked, I take, it's just how motivation for me is like, I like reading a comment that says you can't do that in this state. It's like, okay, well, like at some point, like I'm going to remember that and I'm going to try to go there and do that. And you wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, again, it's because it's fun to me. It's just like, I don't want to go hunting and not have fun. Then what's the point? Uh, Right. I, I, I totally agree. And to be honest, like, even just i'm not saying i won't ever do it again because there's probably going to come a situation when it's like this just makes more sense or um there's certain terrains and stuff that i would get into a tree just to get a visual um like we've been hunting in some really flat stuff where you can't see you know through the grass and stuff unless you're up high in those situations if you get up to get a visual you know like I would see myself doing that more, but it's still like, you know, it's all, it would be strategic, I suppose. Anyway, getting down another tangent there, but I um, really started feeling more and more confident like in 2018, but then in 2019, I felt like it just took off. It was like, I've hit the stride. I finally hit, I feel, I, in 2019, I felt like I understood what, was happening when I was watching Whitetail Adrenaline. 
And it's like, there's all those little like details that you question before you get to that point. But then in 2019, it was like hit the stride. Mm -hmm. And that season, I just, yeah, felt incredibly confident. And I feel more confident today than I did then. But like, I remember that being like the tipping point where it was like, there's just, there really is no agenda. I'm going hunting. I'm going into this piece. And who knows what's going to happen. And I, I love that. Yeah, going to figure it out when I get there. Well, and yeah. I just, I wanted to hear your kind of story with it because, and not to, because listeners of ours have already kind of heard this story, but I had two things happen last year that really made me want to try it more than I have been. Now, like I told you, we've been hunting private, but I had a deer I was after last year that I, I needed to make a move on. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right. And my first thought was, well, I got to get into a tree. So mm-hmm. I know this piece of property cause I hunt it. And I said, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a spot of trees in this corner that if he's going to do that again, I need, I can get into that tree. <clears throat> so I have a run and gun set up that I rarely use, but I had it. So I messed with it for like two evenings before. The wind was going to shift that day, getting it all set up, making sure my sticks didn't move. I could, I could put my pack on the stand, you mm-hmm. know, I get there that morning, I put it on and it is, I feel like I'm packing an elk out. <laughs> now I'm probably not packing very lightly cause I'm only walking maybe 500 yards. Like it's sure. not a long walk. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm like taking everything out of my pack. I'm putting my stuff, but I put it on and I'm just like, dear Lord, I feel like I'm packing an elk out. Yeah. You know, like I had the hip belt and, you know, uh-huh. a tree stand transport system on it, and whatever. It's heavy. So yeah, I awkward. get to this tree and I'm like, all right, this is the only tree I can use. Not as many trees as I thought I could get in here, but this one I can. And it was a bigger tree. So it was a pain in the ass <laughs> to get my sticks in or on. And I don't remember what tree it is, but it was one of those trees that um, the bark was not very forgiving to you as far <laughs> as like kicking out. And so I struggle make way more noise than I was hoping to getting into this tree. I get to where I thought would be good. Finally get set up, which I'm not pretending to be really good at it yet, but I'm not an idiot. So it's not like I'm slow, but I get done and you know, the, the sun comes up first light. I'm looking, I have a buck come right underneath me. So I guess I picked a good spot because that's what I was hoping for. It wasn't him. And I'm like, all right. And then as first light's hitting, I start looking, and I'm like, I have no freaking shooting lanes. Uh Now, I was on private, so I could grab my saw out and at least cut some limbs here and there. But, like, on public, you can't be doing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, this sucks. Like, I am not where I want to be right now. This is not what I was hoping for. And that whole morning, I was just in a bad headspace, just – I'm done with this. So fast forward, I don't end up seeing him. The next night I go out after him again and I I initially get into a tree stand that I had set and it starts raining Mm -hmm. and it was, I don't know, like 35 to 40 degrees. It was a slow soaking type of rain. And I even texted you and I'm like, I'm going to get down and I'm going to go find this freaking deer. So I got down. I made a move probably 80 yards from where I was. And I thought he's, if he's going to come, he's going to come from this area. And I set up in this little like thicket of crap 
and I see a, a buck come in. He starts raking a tree. I thought it was him, and I'm like, there he is. He's about to get it. He walks around, and I actually, after we get done recording, I'll have to send you the video. I'll get your number and send it to you. But I yeah. have this five-minute encounter with a deer that we had nicknamed Evil Eddie because he was uh, like an eight- or nine-year-old just – Old, he had old turned deer. into nothing but two main beams and G1s. That's it. Just just an old deer, big that's, old abscess on sweet. one cheek, and just like I call him his titties were just hanging down. Like just, <laughs> he and I was five yards away from this deer in the rain. Wow. I couldn't shoot him because we have a point restriction in our area. But oh, yeah. man, I was gonna say, I was gonna say So he only had like he only had two points on each side, unfortunately. That's crazy, yeah. So I, I, I couldn't forget, shoot him. I forget that that could happen. So, anyways, uh, but I had this this encounter with him, like I told you, at five yards, actually two different times, because he did try to get a circle of me, and he still didn't get my win. But after that night, I was like, that was one of the best experiences I've had in the woods, not only <laughs> because it was him – but it was in the rain. It was just like the perfect evening. Um, yeah, and and you made the move. Like you made the decision to get there too, which you should be proud of. You know, like that's that's an accomplishment in itself. Is that like you're like you know what? I don't like what I'm doing right now. I'm gonna make that move and get over to where I know that the deer are coming from. You know, like right. and I think I think that in itself is like a cool accomplishment. You know. He obviously got close to it, it sounds like he's a definite shooter in most states. <laughs> if, if legal. If, if he was son, legal, yeah. If he was legal, he'd have got shot. If my son would have been with me, he could have shot him. Um, well, yeah, no, I yeah, guess during yeah. youth season he could have. Yeah, youth season, they um, take off the point restriction for but kids. But it didn't really matter is my point. Like, it didn't matter that I couldn't kill him. I felt like I already had won that night. Like, yeah. I I could have killed you if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. You You were dead. And then so the next night I did it again in a similar area and I had a young little like a little spike come in within like 10 feet again. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, well, this is this is a lot of fun. And yeah. I think it was the combination of the experience I had with that tree stand the night before or mm-hmm. a couple of days before at that point, And then that with him that made me go, man, ground hunting is very, very intriguing to me. It always has been. Yeah. Micah, Micah can attest to it. It's always been something that if I'm going to run and gun, I really don't like the idea of doing all kinds of work climbing. But yeah. um, mm-hmm. but at the same you're time. You're the game when you're climbing too. You know, that's the other thing. You're out of the game. Like you're, you have to like, especially if you're doing a midday hang up, like you're pay- pulling yourself right out of the game when you're doing that, especially if you're a one man team. Like it's another thing if you got somebody that can hand you your bow, but it's like, even then we've had yeah. plenty of situations where it's just come back to bite us in the ass because we're like, Oh, we're going to put this stand up. And it's just like, Oh, here he comes right there. Right. Like we thought, but yep. you know, we were 10 minutes. Yeah. We were yeah. 10 minutes too late or whatever the yep. case may be. And most of the time yep. we're hunting by ourselves so that, yeah, you're, you're a one man team. And mm-hmm. we're not, I don't film, so I don't have to worry about that. But, but at the same time, those things, it, people, you know, you always still go back to, well, I have to be, I got to be up here. I got to be 15 mm-hmm. foot above them. I've never been a guy that gets like 25 feet in a tree anyways, but you know, I got to be 15 foot up or I got to be 12 foot up. Right. And so like last year 
I hunted out of a tree stand 90% of the time. Yep. This year, I'm actually 100% ground hunt. <laughs> I've only got to go one time so far. But anyways, um, so how what how do you handle picking so do you would you handle an area differently if you knew that you had to get up in a tree today compared to if you were in on the ground what what goes into your thought process when you know one way or the other how you're going to hunt well i don't i don't actually like for i the last time i think I got into a tree stand was october 1st 2018 to hunt myself, like to hunt with my own tag. Yeah. Um, and that's everywhere, you know, like whether it's a big timber setting or, uh, uh, you know, maybe a thicker setting or whatever, like more upland habitat, no matter what it is, I'd I like being on the ground. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier too, it's not to say I would never do it again, but it would have to be the right situation. Right. Like I would have to be looking for, um, looking for deer probably like on a bigger, bigger scale and just like a shot. It's like climb up into a tree and be able to see a long distance or whatever. And, or if there was somehow just not a way and it rarely, it really just rarely feels like this anymore, but there's just no way to find enough cover right where I think the X is like right where I think a deer's a big bucks hooves are going to be, which you know, honestly, just like doesn't really ever happen. Like I don't find it very often. There's usually something I can make work. So I guess when it goes in, when it comes to that thought process is if I was going to put a tree stand up, I would take way more time like early in the morning or late at night or, or, or for the afternoon to get into a spot where now, because I don't have a stand or a place to even set up picked out usually i just will go in late morning i'll go in late in the afternoon and just bomb into a spot like you know take a trail straight back you know as far as i can then cut off of it and be in the little pocket that i want to be in like that and when i was tree stand hunting it was way different than that it was like you could not be early enough if you could leave for an afternoon hunt at 11 o'clock in the morning like you should be doing it because you can then take your time but it just seemed like, or it seems like if I am ground hunting, the mentality is just like, I'll make something work. And, you know, again, with more experience doing it, you start to like see how that, that makes sense even because there's a lot of places where, you know, you'd be in a tree stand and you're like, well, I could never set up on the ground here. And it's like, eh, you might be able to. Like, I, I think you probably can. Like, I would be willing to take a stab at it especially if you really can predict deer movement, you know, cause you, I think that's a big part of what the challenge is on the ground is you got to nail where they're coming from. You got to know exactly what they're doing because a lot of like success depends on a visual in some fashion, because when you see one, you can make moves easily, whether you're far from it or close to it, you know, or in the tree stand, you don't ever learn that. You know, or you kind of do, I guess. You learn that you can't move when one's like at point blank, but otherwise, like you can get away with a lot of things in a tree stand, you know, as, as far as sight. But you can get a lot of way, get, you can get away with a lot of things in, on the ground too. 
even though it feels hard to believe if you've never had any experiences doing it. If you've had experiences doing it, you probably know a little bit of what I'm talking about, but it's like, well, like what you were talking about when you just jumped out of your stand and got on the ground on that rain day and that big old buck that's, you know, he's made it this far in his life without ever getting killed. Maybe because it's illegal, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing he was, he was a decent deer at one point, but I'm, he's probably well on his way on the down downhill side. Sure. Which I mean, it's, know, it's like, but, again, being close to a deer like that at point blank, it's like, it's just another, like, you know, reason that you could prove that it works. Like they, they're not that good at seeing things. They see movement, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, kind of a, a, a standard thing that you learn even in a tree stand. But like, if you're not moving, you can get away with anything. Right. I mean, so, you, everybody's had those situations where a deer's staring right at your face, mm-hmm. right at you. As long as you don't move, they're going to continue to do what they're doing in yep. most cases. Yep. And it's, and it's like, you know, just, it, it makes that even more of a challenge. But, you know, as you practice it, you just get so much better at it to the point that it's like, I don't know. It's almost like you just go with the flow. Your your movement is just based off of so many different factors, but you know, ultimately you don't want to be moving to alert a deer. So how do you do that? How do you take the conditions and then, you know, conditions and what the deer are doing and what you're anticipating the deer to be doing to like, how do you like you mix that all up and then you get, you know, you get your answer of when you should move. And I think that that's like, that's the fun that's the fun part that's what gets me fired up is like taking a condition reading that condition and just going with the flow you know am i listening for you know am i gonna hear him grunt am i gonna see him 500 yards away am i gonna have to run up and over the ridge to catch up with him am i gonna try to call him back to me like it's like what 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 cards am i dealt and how am i gonna play this situation and man i just love that and like uh yeah i guess that's kind of maybe off of your question a little bit but no um, no it's right on it because one of the questions i had written down here was advantages and disadvantages compared to tree stand hunting i think mm -hmm. that's one of the advantages quote unquote people always you hear as a reason as to be in a tree stand compared to being on the ground is well i can get away with more in a tree stand Mm -hmm. which i i guess if you put it down to it brass tacks i guess is kind of true but i would say i would say with with i would say you can get away with more um it but it's but it's just different i guess it looks so different i, I don't know that it's necessarily true or not true i think it's probably true that you can get away with more like i don't know that's a tough that's a tough one if i could if i was being honest i don't know that i would say one has an advantage or a disadvantage that you know is greater than the other i think There's you just, i think it might not be necessarily true but people believe it to be true because yeah. if you think about like people who are proponents of not ground hunting or i don't even, I we don't know anybody that's like oh you shouldn't do that but um you, I've always heard the argument, well, deer live between zero and six feet. Mm-hmm. So if you're in that zone with them, you're more likely to get busted. They're not looking 12, 15 feet in the air. Okay, mm-hmm. I understand that argument. 
But if I'm 12 foot in the air and a deer is walking in the area and I'm doing jumping jacks in a tree, they're, <laughs> they're going to see me. Yeah, they're going <laughs> to notice it. <laughs> so I don't, it's not like you can get up in a tree and do whatever like, you I want. got busted two years ago. I stood up in my tree stand. I, I scanned for deer and I had this big stretch, just, oh, you know, you, you know that yeah. great stretch. And as soon as I'm in the middle of it, I hear a, a doe start just blowing the hell out of me. You know, yeah. right behind me, I'm like, "Oops!" What you do to you? Because I was, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, blowing at me. Excuse me. Um, and it's because I was moving pretty obviously in a tree for a few yeah. seconds. And you know, I don't, I don't know that it's like you said any more true or not true. That's just one of the uh, common themes I hear is well, you bugs, can't yeah. get away with anything on the ground. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think. I think that, you know, the same kind of goes for a tree stand. If you're hunting a pressured area, like deer are conditioned to people being in a tree. Or if you're hunting in the same stand over and over again and you've been busted or they've smelled where you've come out that, you know, a couple nights ago or whatever, you know, the same the same things, you know, that are an advantage or can be a disadvantage, like, if you if if you got away with it once in one spot in a tree stand, for example, like that's good. But then it's it's still like if they start to pick up on that, they're not that stupid, you know. I think we sometimes give deer too much credit, and we don't give them enough credit in other times. And I just think, you know, if you're moving around, the more you're moving around in general, the har- the harder it is for them to pick up on how you're hunting them, right? And it's like. You know, if we're being honest with ourselves, like how often are deer patterning us? You know, even me as somebody that never sets up in the same spot twice, never. Like I still use certain paths. I still use predator trails, you know, the same way that a coyote would or same way that another hunter would. And it's like, how much are they patterning just that simple move of getting out of the truck and walking right down the ridge? It's like thinking outside the box. I think sometimes in general with deer hunting is just just as important as whatever strategy you want to do just yeah. like think outside the box and how can you like actually fool a deer you know well if yeah. he's used to looking up in trees well then get on the ground if he's like you know if he's used to everybody walking down the ridge or down the valley trail or whatever like how can you do something different just thinking outside the box i think goes such a long way and that's that's why i feel like ground hunting is so so effective is because there's just no, there's no expect, like they don't, they don't really don't see it that much. You know, they don't really see that attack. They're kind of expecting something different, I think. And it's like, you can keep a deer on their toes. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. What, so what are some tips that you would have to help someone who's looking into potentially ground hunt or ground hunting? And this is a selfish question, by the way, but uh, um, what are some tips say- to like help yourself become less detectable like what what are you what are some things i i know a lot of the things you do because i watch you but mm-hmm. what are some things you do when you go set up that you look at and then do to help give yourself you know some cover or advantage to um not be detected and then there's a follow-up question after this but yeah so they're like it, it kind of depends on a lot of different things i mean there's a lot of there's like so many little tiny strategy details that i like to think about and if, you know i'll try to spit out as many as i can um the, the first thing though is just trying it like not 
not worrying about success or what that even means you know like set a different standard for yourself set a different goal like hey i just want to get in range of deer i just want to shoot a doe i just want to you know shoot a buck whatever it may be like and then just build up from there like i think just getting that experience is really important and then just like being not caring so much about you know that this is another major point in the evolution of that ground hunting thing was like you know what? Like, I don't care about shooting a big buck. I'm just going to go hunting and try my best to get one. And then if I do, awesome. If not, like, I'm trying something totally different and I just quit caring. And then I ended up shooting bigger bucks <laughs> than I ever did. I understand. <laughs> so it's like, it, you know, it, it ended up being better in that way, even. Like, they just cut ties with like any expectation and like, oh, it's so freeing, you know, but it's, but it's hard to do that again because we, we, you know, and even i did it like have this tendency to go back to our comfort zone so just getting out there and trying it is number one it's like you're gonna learn these things if you commit to doing it and you don't like just end up and, and, and it's tough too because it's like you don't have to exclusively do that but just getting you know some reps every season is going to build and then while that will snowball and have just patience with it too yeah it's another bow in your quiver kind of thing mm -hmm. like it's something that you can just mm -hmm. add on to totally yeah and um i think you know just committing to be having that aggressive mentality too because like it's an aggressive hunt like it's it you know hunting off the ground you can get in tighter than you can sometimes when you're limited to being in a tree but you can also have a visual and then push in super aggressive and just like have that aggressive like hungry for it mentality is is definitely helpful as well so anyway when i'm setting up like just in a setup there's two major like forms of cover that i like to talk about is like up front like horizontal cover is ideal and then some sort of vertical cover as well so if you have both like i'm looking for both but you can get away with one or the other and they don't have to be in front or behind necessarily so i can have vertical cover and horizontal cover behind me and i can also have horizontal cover in front of me which i prefer and then vertical cover behind me ideally a spot has both you can get away with one or the other but ideally they have both and then you want to have room within that setup but then when you look through the forest i guess you're going to see a lot of things just just simply vertical, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot, of, and that's why we're able to pick up on deer is they have a horizontal back line where in a world that's generally just vertical, right. plants are just all growing up. Whether it's grass or it's a, it's you know hardwood timber, it's vertical. So when you look through the forest, like everywhere I'm going, every single step. I'm looking for that horizontal and vertical cover. That way, no matter what the situation is, no matter what starts to play out in front of me, I've got options. Like if he starts coming a little bit more to my right than I think, well, I already know that that spot's where I'm headed because I noticed that cover right there. So this is this is kind of talking from a still hunting situation, but kind of mixing both, talking a little bit about both, I guess. So always looking for that when moving through the timber. So even if I'm just like scouting, you know, that's a term that you'll hear us say a lot and, and um, you'll hear other people talk about a lot. If I'm just scouting, I'm still doing that. 
I'm looking for sign and I may change my pace depending on how like much I feel like I'm around deer, but I'm always looking for that cover. Like where can I just jump in somewhere right now if all of a sudden a buck chases a doe right down the pipe? You know, it's like, am I going to get caught in the wide open? It's like, I don't want to do that. So how can I find something quick? So just trying to find as many places or options as possible as you're moving through the woods. You just like have that wide view. But again, when, when you look to just the most open timber, there'll always be a spot that has that horizontal and vertical cover, whether it's a little bit of, you know, brush around or, or just like grassy stuff around a tree, or it's a downed tree, down trees and timber is great. Um, you know, some sort of log jam or whatever, there's almost always going to be something. And then if you only have one or the other, you know, you have to plan a little bit more for where the deer are coming from. So like, let's say I'm using one big tree as only vertical cover. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to use that with the anticipate, you know, I'm going to get real specific of where I anticipate deer coming from so I can hide behind that tree. You know, like it's just a, it's just a straight up block of my body and I'm going to just, you know, use that as my cover. Um, same thing with like just having horizontal cover, which may be a situation where you've just got some sort of like hard grass edge where you can just get right up against that. And if you stay low, you can hide behind it and pop up. But you know, those, those setups get a little bit more challenging because then you have to not only anticipate where deer are coming from, you got to be ready. And then you also have to like, really pick when you're going to make your final like kill move when you're going to actually shoot them when you're going to draw and then when you're actually going to like lean out and get the shot because like for example in, in like low or in taller horizontal cover when that's your only thing you can maybe be able to stay all the way down and draw even if they're looking in your direction they might not see you but you still have to find that perfect time to actually set up without them just bolting right right if you're talking a super close situation, 15 yards, for example, and a buck's, you know, facing towards you, he's not seeing you, but you're drawn, ready, and you pop up above that horizontal cover, and he's already facing you, he's just going to be like, see you later. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm out of here, man. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they'll see you, too, if you're not moving or you're moving super slow, you can still get away with it. So, like, Jake just shot a buck yesterday, and when he shot him, the buck stood up out of his bed, walked to him, stomp, like stomping, looking at him, and he just slowly drew his bow back and just settled the pin. And before the buck, you know, before the buck actually like took off out of there, somebody was a little too well, curious that day. Yeah, yeah. Well, but but it's situational and like it's happened a lot. Really, it's like the, the knowing how to move is the final is the final like step and you just really are gonna get way better at that just practice on non-target deer you know if a young buck or a doe that you don't want to shoot that day is coming in just practice that and like you'd be amazed too like if they're not looking at you you can move too right so it's like i'm constantly looking at a rack in a situation of like this is a target deer this is something i'm trying to shoot if, if I can ideally just see his rack, I can tell everything that I need to know. I can see where his head's facing, and I can tell what his eyes can and can't see. So if he's looking straight away from me, that may be when I make that final move to pop up and shoot. And, you know, again, knowing 
where the deer are going to come from and then really keeping a good visual on them at all times is also going to help those areas where you don't have ideal cover where you maybe just have one or the other but you know i also mentioned having room in your setup that's Mm -hmm. super important like getting your bow up and around is challenging no matter if you're in a tree or um, on the ground but it becomes more challenging when you're on the ground just like practice drawing so much like do like be like like if you were with somebody just imagine them being annoyed at you like you should be drawing that much that like if somebody was with you they'd be like dude you gotta stop doing that because <laughs> When you do that, you just get so much better that every situation you start to anticipate where you could go wrong before it ever even happens. But if you only, you know, if you only stand in the yard drawing, which again, you know, this is all stuff that I'm talking about that I've done in my past where I realized I, you know, could get better. It's like if I'm just shooting in the yard, you know, I'm only practicing that ever. Well, then in the heat of the moment, like, I've been in so many more weird positions shooting a deer in real life. So it's like, how do I practice that? So I just started doing that. Like mm-hmm. I just, in my yard in the off season, I'm shooting, I almost only shoot from my knees in, in like a, uh, uh, like a 3d target shooting situation because that's how I shoot in real life, you know? And then when you're in the woods on an actual hunt, again, practice drawing like crazy because you start to, you know, get a gauge of like how far things need to be because when you stick your arm, your if you're a right-handed shooter sticks his left arm out, that's a lot further away than you maybe know how to like set up for until you practice it a bunch. But the more you practice it, you start to see that little buffer you need between you and your cover. You start to know how tight, you know, that back cover is because your elbow is going to hit it. And just getting like really confident in that. And like, I tell my buddies that I hunt with all the time, like you, like when they've gotten, a lot of them have gotten better, but it's like, you need to practice draw more. Like I'm not, I can't tell you to practice draw like 30 times in a hunt, but like you gotta like be thinking about that. I'm filming you. I want you to know that you're good. You know, like I want you to know where your body is in relation to your cover. And that really, like, that came, that hit us in the face pretty hard when we started elk hunting. Yeah. It's yeah. a different type of shooting. Because you're right, mm-hmm. like, we used to shoot in our backyards, or we would go 3D together, and we'd stand up, we'd shoot. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the first time you go elk hunting, you're like, I could be sitting on my ass. I could be on a knee. I could have, you know, I'd ha- I could have to do that. Like, and so we all started shooting that way um, at, at home, or, you know, like, sometimes at 3D shoots, we'd we do something weird or whatever. And yeah. it's because you might see that out West. And by the way, when you're out West elk hunting, you are hunting on the ground. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it does make you think of those things. But one of the biggest things I noticed when I was out there last week, hunting on the ground mm-hmm. on, on public, that public grand ground, I told you I had been to, I'd never been to in my life. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I scouted it online and had a little bit of information so i said okay well i want to go here on the map on the mm-hmm. map at least right mm-hmm. i get there and it was a little different than i was thinking so based on the win i set up 
near this like pond, small, small, small pond where my wind would be going into the water. Mm-hmm. And then I set up um, near a few cedars for cover. But the biggest mm-hmm. thing that I had a problem with, or at least my brain was having a problem with, is, hey, dumbass, if you're inside all this thick stuff, how are you going to shoot? Yeah. Because you're really well concealed, sure, but how are you going to mm-hmm. shoot? So how do you ha- how do you handle the two, like the two dichotomies that you've got there? How you, much you need yeah. to be covered, oh, yeah, but much? you need to be able to shoot. Um, I, I think like the more and more I do it, the more and more confident I get with less cover, more shooting opportunities. Like I'd much rather be able to shoot than, you know, get jammed up and, you know, have one in range and not be able to, because I feel like even again with the, you know, these close quarter situations, just understanding more and more how you can get away and when you're going to be able to get away with the movements. Um, you know, I'd say less cover, more lanes or more, not only lanes, but also like mobility within a setup or just a spot, even, even if it's just, you know, there's a difference to me between a setup and a spot. If I have a ground setup that I'm sitting in like for hours mm-hmm. and not planning on moving, cause I think that I'm close, you know, within 20 yards of the X then I'm going to put a lot more effort into, you know, lanes and cover and all those, all the factors, you know, like lanes, mobility, cover, um, multiple, you know, horizontal and vertical cover versus like a spot where I'm just stopped in a still hunting situation. That's going to look a lot like sloppier. It's going to look a lot, you know, different and, depending again on where I'm anticipating deer movement, you'd be like, well, that has zero cover. That's no cover at all. Well, you know, maybe that's true, but right here, it's like, I think I could pull that off. The grass is a little bit taller right here. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it's, it's silly, but like, it's crazy again, when you just reps, you're just like, man, I can really get away with that. Well, here, you know, now you just keep taking those past experiences you've had and just put them in the present or like, you know, when you're visualizing these different situations going down, you just keep, you know, you keep your confidence getting better and better in, in yeah. tougher situations. And when it comes to like, you know, finding the perfect amount of cover, I think if I had to explain the best setup, my ideal setup, it would be some sort of horizontal vertical cover, horizontal cover going pretty much 360 degrees around so no matter where the animal comes from like i can turn within my little setup there behind me or you know downwind would be the vertical cover so you know like i'm thinking in a timber setting like a a a downed tree that's a right up against another tree or like some like logs that are kind of Mm crisscross And inside of that spot, I can push enough leaves out that I'm on dirt. There's no noise where my body can be. I I, I sit on my knees a lot. And I'll circle back to a question that I get a lot about that. Um, Because it'll play into my perfect setup. Um, So I've got, you know, this vertical 
cover with the big tree behind me that's alive or something and then the horizontal cover being these the down tree i clear out the leaves so i can move on my knees 360 degrees without making any noise but like my my boots tapping the dirt you know right and then um Oh yeah, I would say then, you know, I guess just a safe wind, which that's a whole topic in itself. But as far as like within the setup, then the final thing that is like makes a setup like a killer setup, something that I really enjoy being in is something that I can stand all the way up in. And I have that horizontal covered about waist height but I know I've got that vertical cover behind me. So on everything that's upwind, I should have a backdrop that covers me with that vertical cover. And when I'm in that setup, you know, if I'm standing most of the time, you're still going to have to be pretty dang careful about it. But if you can be standing and get elevated and look, as soon as you hear or see something, you can just slowly sink into that. And again, you know, being more and more confident with what you can and can't get away with. You get better at it. Like the first buck that um, I ever shot off the ground with Jake in 2017, he saw me drop in my step. I was standing and I heard it was kind of wet and damp that day and I heard a stick break and I looked over and I saw his antlers coming right at us and I panicked and I just sunk down right away and I saw him go. And you can, if you watch the video closely, you can tell that he saw me move. He peeks up, but then he just gives up on it. He's cruising back. He's just like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> just keeps <laughs> on going, which I've seen plenty of other times, you know, as well. And, uh, yeah, he just ended up walking right past. And he totally saw me sink into that into that setup. I know he did. I watched his reaction to it. And um, That's not the one that was like you guys were – you were just in front of whoever was filming you and you shot him on the other side of a little opening. Yeah, so we were in we were in like a cattail, like yeah, uh, canary grass yep, marsh, billy suits. And Jake was right behind me, yep. and we stood all the way up and shot him. So, yep. so that's that's another that's another thing that is important about the standing. So there's two things. One is it, or there's, hell, there's like three, at least. Once I start talking, I'll probably come up with four. Yeah. <laughs> One reason I like it first is standing up is sweet. You know, you're another however many feet taller and you can see so much more. Another reason that I like it is um, it's, it's way more comfortable. You know, if you can stand versus be sitting on your knees or like hunker down and like with, if in the setup, you know, I, that's definitely better, more comfortable. You're easy. You, you do a better job of like staying in the hunt. You know, if you got to hunker down, it's easy to get distracted, start looking at your phone, get bored, whatever. But if you can be up looking, that really helps. Another thing is, is if you can sink into the into the setup and you can stay super low and you can just keep your eyes just barely above that horizontal cover in front of you, then it becomes really easy to make that final move. So, so if I've got the room, I've got the leaves cleared out underneath me, I've got the horizontal cover in front of me, then the only thing I have to do is read his body language draw when i when i need to for the timing and then just read his body language and then just get all the way up on my knees when he can't see me get all the way up on my knees and just shoot right over that cover 
And again, having the ability to stand gives you, it, it just makes sure that you have the ability to have the room to sit up, right? So that's how it kind of looks in a perfect world to me now. There's a million of them that don't look like that, but yeah. when they do look like that, it's freaking fun because it's just like, I got it covered. Like there's, there's just no way that like, as long as I hear him and see him coming first, like there's pretty much no way I'm going to get busted in this setup. And, and yeah. when you have that, man, that's fun. And like, it's a, in that situation, way better than tree stand, in my opinion. Well, and that's, but I'm, but I'm comfortable with that. Last so. week right. when I went or whenever it was a few days ago, uh, first off, I don't know where people are hunting, where they are in these beautiful trees. Cause I don't know, just maybe in Missouri, we just have nothing but shit trees where we are. <laughs> But everything seems to be a thorny locust or, yeah. you know. So, Hedge anyways, or... when I when I went in, uh, like, I initially had this spot circled, and I'm like, well, okay, I don't really like this. So, I moved over here. All right, I don't really like this. And then I found that spot that I was okay with. Now, what's interesting is when I set up, I mm -hmm. set up like I would be tree stand hunting. My mm -hmm. plan was to be there for the rest of the evening. Mm -hmm. My hope was that they were going to come out of a bedding area. Mm -hmm j-hook into this this field mm -hmm. um i did see four does they came from an opposite direction i was they came actually from <laughs> behind the pond um but luckily they got out to where i saw them and uh wasn't i couldn't shoot them i could have shot them but um that particular piece of public you have to use your buck tag on any deer you kill so uh, i didn't really want to like burn that tag on a doe sure. but right um I set up more like I was tree stand hunting it. My plan mm -hmm. was to stay where I was. Yep. Um, do you find yourself got, like getting more aggressive as the rut? Do you do more setting up before rut and after rut and then during yeah. rut a lot more like still hunting and moving? Yeah. Yeah. But it's still, but it still always takes a still hunt to get to that point. Mm -hmm. I don't ever like, I wouldn't say that I ever have gone into a place completely blind and just like set up. Yeah. I always go in looking for something first and still hunting my way around. And then if I find something that's really, really good, then I'll set up. And I think we're all getting in THP getting more and more that way to where it's like, we're really just moving through the woods constantly until it's like this is like the freaking spot man like you know what it you know what it looks like when you hit that spot that's just like shredded there's rubs everywhere there's scrapes and i mean not to say that every spot looks exactly like that that we kill bucks in because it because it definitely doesn't but like, but a lot of them do and you know when you're trying to put the odds in your favor you know you want to be in a spot where there's a lot of, a lot of times, a lot of big sign and some, maybe so much sign that you're like, maybe there's multiple shooter bucks in here. You know, and when you're doing that consistently, you know, when you're setting up consistently, you're set up like, you know, uh, success of having big bucks in range or whatever your target animal is like, you, you know, you just, is going to go up in general. And like, I think that. Well, it makes um, so much sense. I mean, the way that encounter I had with that buck in the rain, mm -hmm. it's because I saw like four or five rubs over there on mm -hmm. that side of the property. They were not where I was in that tree stand. 
Yeah. So like that whole night, I'm like, I'm wasting. He's not coming over here. I'm wasting my he time. And that's where I saw yeah. a deer or that mm-hmm. bug. I don't know who was making the rubs, but and it's to to. I mean, the biggest thing, like for a piece of public, um, I shouldn't be going. I mean, going in blinds better than not hunting at all. But I don't know the place from Adam. Never stepped foot on there in my life. I mean, it would yeah, be. Yeah, but I don't do that either. See, yeah. I don't do that either. You know, it's like I don't scout places either. That's a pretty weird thing. I, I do, I guess. But scouting for me isn't like an off season, like go in and like check off all these places off a list. It's huh. like I live in Colorado. So, like, you know, January, February, March, I'm sitting at my computer in Colorado where there's really nowhere to whitetail hunt, you know, like you, you know, very minimal. And, uh, you know, the places that I like to hunt or places that I'm going to have a deer tag for this season, I probably like most of them haven't been to. And if I have, it's in Turkey season. So like in Turkey season, I'm taking note of things, but I'm also super focused on Turkey hunting. So right. In general, I'm just always trying to like learn little things about deer. Anytime I see deer sign, I try to take note of what they may be doing. Even if I'm never going to hunt there, it's just trying to see like some sort of have a visualization of what, you know, the tendency is in this area or what a pattern or why the deer, you know, made this rub here, made this scrape here. So I try to look at all those things. But, you know, for the most part, it is going in blind. But when I'm going in blind, I'm going to specific spots that you know look good on the map from a terrain or vegetation or ideally both standpoint where it's just like i'm going in there if it has sign coming out of it sweet i'll think about setting up there if not then i'm just going to keep going to the point of like you know there's been hunts where I've hunted for a week and just like never even stopped moving because it was just like, yeah, that just like, isn't it. That just doesn't feel like it. And, you know, sometimes um, I, I would say like kind of back to the original question, does it, it, does the moving increase more during the rut? I would say yes, but it still just depends on, bunch of different factors so like i'll use a couple like generalized examples in october which is like definitely a a tough time for me because i'm not super patient which i think i think generally speaking you have to be a little bit more patient to be successful in october but if i was going to go hunting you know tomorrow for example in missouri the first thing that I would do is I would look at the map and I would pick a bunch of different places. Like if I was going to just drive to this, is, this is I'm driving to Missouri. I got seven days. I'm going to look at public land and like this is what I'm about to do for probably Minnesota or Oklahoma. So I, that's where I'm going next. I'm going to do exactly this because I do not have pins on the map that I have saved or like anything that I've been planning. Everything that I've, all my effort has been into elk hunting <laughs> from the map scouting perspective. Yeah. Like when it has been that way for three, since 2019. But what, um, what I'm doing is, is I'm just looking at as many different potential locations as I can find. Then I'm going to get there and I'm going to spend a day driving to all those places. And I'm going to look for, 
you know, how easy is this to access? How many other people are accessing it? How does it actually look in real life? What's the private land around it look like? You know, is there any like unknown factors that make this place more challenging or less challenging? Is there a trail here? Is there a pull off? Is it, you know, all these different things. We're just trying to get eyes on it to say, is this actually worth my time or not? Because if I just go straight to the first place that I'm thinking about, well, maybe that's the place that has like the most easy local traffic to it. And there's a big pull off there and people have been in there every day or every weekend a season. But my plan B spot or my plan e spot maybe there's a bridge out right there and it's been a bridge that's been out for two years but i don't know that because i'm not a local well unless i drive around i'm not gonna ever figure that out right. and that might be the difference between you know that might shift your you know plan your 20th plan to your first plan in one day and that might be the ticket to you killing a bigger buck or you know killing a deer at all versus you know maybe just be in a spot that's overpressured. And I think that's when, you know, if you, if you, if you just jump straight into that, that very first spot, it, it just limits you. It's not to say it can't work, but it just limits you. So I try to spend some time driving around then I narrow that list down. So let's say I had 10, well, or let's just say five, maybe I went from five to three and then I have a one, two and a three. Well, I'm obviously going to number one first, but I'm going to try to pick the, my favorite conditions for that number two i'm going to go with my you know next best conditions but i'm going to plan all those moves when i'm going to go in there to scout or you know scout quote unquote hunt, but hunt my way into those spots based off of when i've got the best conditions for those different situations because they're going to look different they're probably going to be slightly different habitats one might be a creek bottom one might be you know ridge top one might be a clear cut yeah, I'm gonna look at all those different. Well, you could just have like a parking area on the north end, and if if you're if it's a north wind, then blowing everything out, gonna be hard to access. Yeah. You know, if you're yeah. if you're only able to enter from the north end. So exactly. Yeah, I see what you so mean. Just taking that you know list of conditions and putting them you know pairing them with the spots I like, and then um, from there, then it's just going in and like actually going to these specific spots that I think maybe a bedding area, maybe a feeding area, maybe a transition area, whatever, um, whatever I'm kind of looking for in that particular area. And if the signs there, then maybe I'll set up. Maybe if like I have 10 spots that I think are all the same, you know, cause that varies too. Like, okay, let's say I went to Missouri and I had five, and then after driving around, I had three. And then after walking in around, I went to like one. That's happened. But I've also had it happen to where I, I go in with 20 spots. I drive around and I only narrow it to 15. And then it's like I have seven days to hunt and I have 15 spots that I feel like are all about the same. If that's the case, then I don't stop moving very much. You know, I just keep moving. But like in Pennsylvania, for example, I hunted there in 2020 and I hunted the same spot for like six days or I guess five, five or six days straight before I ended up shooting a buck. And I was on the same ridge every single day. Hmm. But then like the next state, I didn't do that at all. You know, so it's just like, it, it really depends. But for the most part, it's just like moving, 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 looking for sign. And once you find it, pump the brakes and just be like, how can I play this situation? How do I need to play this moving forward? 
and it'll always look a little bit different, but for the most part, that's, that's kind of the progression. And then once it hits the rut, then I'm looking, what I'm honestly looking for is just, I want to find a buck with a doe. I don't care how I find it. I don't care if I'm driving. I don't care if I'm moving fast down a trail. I don't care if I really have no preference. If I can find a buck with a doe, it's like, that's the dream situation because they'll put themselves in stupid spots and their guard is like so off that it's super fun to stalk. I'm like every big old buck that's outsmarted us for his entire life. He puts his guard down when he's with that doe. <laughs> yes, and it does. is so fun. Yep. It is just so fun. And um, the story is some of, I mean, the three, just the three of us on this call together could tell <laughs> about bucks during the rut that yeah. have a doe. Yeah. You know, it's just, but before we get to the rut, it, you know, you got these spots set up whenever you get into those woods, how fast are you moving around? Like what's your movement like? Is it pretty quick? Yeah. Until you find that's a something? good question. Cause I always freak out. I don't, like, am, yeah. I go, am I going too fast right now? Am, am I going to blow stuff out? Am I going too slow? I mean, w- what's that look yeah. like? Because I will say I got to this spot I t- was telling you about and mm-hmm. I, you know, got everything ready put my backpack on which was so nice i'm like look at this there's not a tree stand on my back it's just my backpack with some stuff in it and i leave the parking lot and not 20 yards later bump a deer off off the trail and i'm just like yeah. okay well <laughs> I, there's yeah. deer here but you yeah. know i couldn't even tell what it was so uh like how yeah how quick are you going through these areas i mean obviously you want to be able to see what's ahead of you but Mm-hmm. Well, I'll talk. I got. I got. I got a really, some really specifics in this answer. So, first thing, look at conditions again. If you got wind, you know you're gonna play that wind. Obviously, you're gonna want it in your face, but also, like, using the wind speed and the variation in wind speed to make your make your moves. So, that's number one. Then moisture is number. You know one or two like you know how wet is the the ground that you're walking on also looking at like um you know is, is it grassy versus leafy you know because grassy can be challenging because you know let's say a calm a calm wind with wet leaves you can do a lot with you can move pretty quietly but a calm day with wet grass or like stemmy grass is still loud so, you know, thinking of those things, like when you're planning how to go into these different areas, depending on what they are, is going to make a huge difference. Like, like one thing that I really like to transition into, at least when we're hunting or I'm filming in Iowa, is like there, there's a, when the frosts start getting real hard, canary grass gets super, super, which you guys certainly deal with canary grass in some of your spots as well. Um, when it starts frosting really hard and then like gets that it'll start getting that kind of damper sound to it to where it's not super loud. The trails start getting beat into the ground a little bit more, but then there's like a real specific time of the day that we utilize a lot where a hard frost will be on that canary grass and then it'll melt. Yeah. And then it is just like dead. I like dead quiet down those deer trails. You can just sneak right down the same trails they're on and they can't hear you. It's crazy. I mean, you can't hear them real well either, but (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it's like, 
I love those conditions. I actually, contrary to like popular belief, like I am cool with a calm, for the most part, a, a calm day. Sunny, calm. If there's some moisture on the ground, then it's like, I'm totally cool with it. I like that. If it's super calm and super dry and hot, I don't like that. That's the most challenging condition where you pretty much have to, in my opinion, you pretty much have to find setups in that situation. I dealt with that a lot. Okay, so that's what I had last week at least. So I feel better about that. It was hot and dry. Yeah. Yeah. In 2020, I hunted like, man, a solid week with uh, my buddy Keith and we – were frustrated because we wanted to do you know we wanted to hunt more our style but it was more of like we ended up just having to pick spots and just set up and just sit there and wait because it was just 75 degrees no wind like the craziest conditions and consistent no wind and just dry 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 sunny just beaten down and like the leaf the leaf matter was like you know, it was like overgrown leaf matter because it was all dried out and expanded way out. Everything's super loud. And oh my God, I hated that. But, you know, reading that condition and the wind. So as far as like actual cadence to steps, obviously there's the, there's the plowing gommen through the woods. Like there's just moving fast. So like if I've got a spot that I know I need to get to, and there's a trail, for example, and I know I'm taking that trail for three quarters of a mile. I try to do my best to move fast. I have a problem sometimes to actually move too slow all the time. That's one issue that I have with hunting off the ground a lot lately is I notice that I, I sometimes am not aggressive. I'm not like not fast enough when I need to just go fast. I'm worried about too many. I'm, I'm looking at the details, trying to find that cover all the time and it's like yo you're 200 yards from the truck from in a place that's getting hammered it's been two and a half hours bro yeah yeah you you need to go you need to go so if that's the case i try i really do struggle as silly as that sounds to go fast enough so i'm trying to get better at that this season and then um another thing or i guess then once i start to slow down the reason i would slow down is i'm just getting to where maybe with an earshot eyesight or whatever or uh, smell you know maybe a deer well probably shouldn't be worried about that if the wind's in my face but i'm basically starting to slow down because i don't want to be heard or spotted and when i'm trying to decide on what to do you know the conditions are going to play into that but as far as like the wind goes as i start to get closer and closer i start to play the breeze more so every time it breezes and i started doing this subconsciously like i started actually noticing that i was naturally doing this but it took you know years of, of practice it was when that breeze picks up i naturally want to move forward like every time no matter what like i'm a milk hunting deer hunting whatever it's like i notice i'm doing that every time is that wind picks up, moving forward. If a plane flies over and makes a bunch of noise, I start moving. Anything that makes other noise, the squirrels start running around a bunch because there's two advantages here. You're covered and you're wasting your time trying to listen to that wind anyway. If you, if you know you're advancing, you know, if, if it's a time where you need to be patient, just be patient and stay in your spot. But it's like, if you know you're advancing, 
and that wind picks up and the plane goes over the squirrels start chattering a bunch or the bird the woodpeckers hitting the you know the tree a bunch it's like take that that take that and use it to your advantage and get a couple of steps you know depending too on how fast i'm going let's say we're in ultra slow mode where it's like I'm thinking that, that I could look in this thick stuff that I'm in and see a deer bedded down 30 yards away. So I'm looking for tines type stuff, like real high intensity. What I do is a lot of times is I'll wait for the wind. But then right when I get that wind, I look down, I pick two or three steps ahead, and then I look back up. And then I just like, mu- you know, muscle memory or whatever you call that, would call that. Like, I just don't even think about, I don't look at my feet, I guess is what I'm getting at. Okay. I don't, I just take that picture and I like snap, you know, a little mental image and just, you know, know that my right foot's going here, left foot's going here. And then I might stop or maybe three, two or three steps or, you know, I know that it's flat and easy for four steps. I started, I noticed that I was doing that during elk because, I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah. And, I mean, you can do it. You'd be amazed because, I mean, you've been out west. There's a Mm -hmm. down tree everywhere. There's branches and everything. It's a pain in the butt to walk through. And you can be loud, but, you know, if you take that second look down and then, you know, you can can look up and take Mm -hmm. those steps and most of the time you're all right. Yep. And then as far as, like, um keeping your eyes up goes like to me that's very very important because when when you're hunting off the ground you are relying on your eyes way more than or at least i feel that i'm relying on my eyes way more than i was any other time of hunting like i really need to know what's happening up here like if something starts to play out movement whatever like i need to change what i'm doing right now because if i hesitate it might be too late so keeping my eyes up is huge and just cutting things off, making these subtle little movements, getting to cover before some, it, it, it I, I notice when I'm filming people, one thing that happens a lot is they miss, they miss something because they started looking down and then they missed the whole opportunity. Like the whole, it was like a millisecond that they had, that they, they needed to see that step of the animal, but their eyes were down. That's so crazy. it's like, that I got to work on that big time because it's funny. It's going to sound stupid when I say this, but I, I I think I keep my eyes down a lot because I feel like I'm not going to get caught if I'm like slinky. You know, what I'm, like if I'm slinking through here, I need to get this 30 feet. If I just kind of slink through, you won't see me. Yeah. And I, and I, I will notice I'll, I'm watching every step I take. Uh-huh. don't make a sound don't make a sound don't make a sound and i'm not looking up the entire time so don't do that definitely got to get better <laughs> <laughs> now i'm not saying i don't take a look but it's almost like i don't want you to catch me looking up I, yeah. you don't see me if i don't see you <laughs> yeah yeah you know i mean, I mean it is, sounds stupid I but i, can, I catch no, myself I doing mean, that it, it doesn't it doesn't actually it it doesn't nothing i mean nothing's stupid i i think that I can understand that. I feel like I've been in similar situations where you're just like, Oh, I'm going to just like get through here. But yeah, it's, it's, it's um, really to your advantage to keep your eyes up. And I do feel like keeping, you know, your face covered or like if you can keep it, like when I, when I, when I'm 
ho-hum thing. I take my front cam and just put it right over my face and I pull my hat way down. So that that doesn't look like two eyes and a face. So I'm basically just trying to break up my eyes. And if, if, if you watch Born and Raised, you notice Trent. This is something I picked up from him. He always puts face paint mm-hmm. like right against his eyelid. And I'm like, that's a great idea. So I started doing that too, where I'll just cover like right, I'll cover even my eyelids because the, the eyes on the front of the face is what triggers predator response in a, in a deer's brain is my belief. You know, if it looks at a coyote or a human, it's just like, and it sees these eyes. It's like deer don't have eyes like we do. They're more off the side. So it's like, that's predator, right? When, especially you know everybody's locked deer eyes of the deer real close and they've done that big big eye like they know they know so covering her face is important but i guess back to the back to the cadence thing there's there's like a little rule too that i've um, talked about with my friends and th- they seem to think this is like a good idea too so it's, i guess why i bring it up like i have this little rule where it's like one bad step is not good you don't want to make that bad that step and when i mean bad step i mean like you break a twig and it's like you know i guess that's maybe an extreme example how about how about just like a loud leaf matter step like you, know, you make one of those and maybe you pop a little twig in there you know whatever that's that's one bad step not a big deal stop give it a second especially when you're tight you know when you're doing that like you know more intense moving give it a second let things calm down. Maybe let the wind pick back up. Make your next step. If you make two bad steps, eh, that's not good, man. Like you don't want to take more than two steps. Like, but you can still. Okay, that's whatever. You lose your balance. One, two. Okay, stop. Wait, listen. Plane goes over. Start moving. You do three. It's like that's really starting to sound unnatural one two three that's that's your your human feet are giving you away there one two three you know one two is bad but three is bad now if you do four you've crossed the line and if you take five then that's on you you went too far <laughs> you know get look up they're because they're running you know what i mean like one two three four five like done like that that's the the cadence is everything when it comes to to at least in my opinion you guys turkey hunt mm. a little yeah. bit a little bit yeah so you're calling to a turkey and he's coming up the hardwood ridge one two one two one two that's the cadence of his feet but when you hear deer it's yep one two one two one two one two human it sounds like a turkey so just trying to like mix that up how can i make my cadence sound like something else so when i'm in the heat of the moment it's intense i'm trying to get to that last little spot where i know i need to set up or whatever a lot of times i'll just try to be a different animal you know i'll try to be a turkey i'll scratch like turkeys i'll take a turkey call and i'll you know yelp and purr cluck whatever just sound like turkeys move a ridge or another situation i may just try to do like um, a deer cadence and i just walk and i'll grunt you know heel toe heel toe heel toe heel toe 
or sometimes I do toe heel just to like give, you know, do something different, give my legs a break or something, I guess. But like trying to sound like a deer grunt, stop, scrape, you know, make a scrape, make a rub, whatever, make those sounds to sound like a deer to cover your, your human cadence. Yeah. Because if I'm trying to just walk, if I got to get through this belief matter, the last thing I want to do is just blast through it. Even if I know I want to be set up there, if I can hunt my way there and trick the deer into thinking that like I'm just something else that they don't care about, or right. maybe even call one in if I'm acting like I'm another buck, you know, there's a probably a pretty good chance, you know. It, it, I definitely have a higher odds of killing one than I do if it just hears me human walk right through those leaves. So another thing that I'll do, and it's like maybe extreme, but it like it worked on a day that we killed a buck. Um, in really, really calm, loud conditions as we did the squirrel. It was like, you listen to a squirrel, their cadence a lot of times is like, you know, like kind of just scurrying around, like, oh, yeah. but, you know, hop, 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 hop. Mm-hmm. So if you can do that with your feet, but you can, you know, just like, for example, if you want to do a bunch of several fast hops, you know, you just tap your foot. And to get that leaf matter to kind of tamp down, you go, and then just a scurrying, you know, a, a squirrel just scurrying and, you know, putting his head down, burying a nut or something. You just shake your foot and now you've got solid ground to, to step on. So where you have five inches of leaf or whatever, 10 inches of leaf, all of a sudden your foot's at the ground and you sound nothing like a squirrel for anything that can't see you. Now, if you're in eyesight of a deer, you know, getting away with that's different. But if you're using terrain or thick vegetation to hide from deer already, if you change your cadence up, it really makes a big difference for like, you know, just getting their attention or not getting their attention. And like on that day that we did the squirrel, which I've used it several times, but this is the time that I remember it working. When we did it, it was to get just to the top of a ridge where we couldn't go past the top of that ridge. Like our setup was right on the crest, but coming up the backside of it, we didn't know how far he was going to be. And is that, was that the one where you were in the rock, like around the rocks? Um, we, that, that, and that, um, it was in the same area, but it was one that I, um, we were in the rocks and we were in Ohio and that was bow season. Then that same season and gun season, um, we were in a different spot and we were finding a bunch of, uh, feeding we had bumped the buck he went you know we basically picked on the map where we thought he was going to mm-hmm. we circled around that and found a bunch of hot sign coming from where we thought he was and then he came straight through where we where okay. we anticipated the one i'm uh the one i'm thinking of i feel like on that hunt you dropped your bow maybe like your bow fell over oh it was no it was i think it's that my bow is behind me maybe yeah 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 yeah, yeah yeah it was you didn't have it in the spot you wanted it and yeah and he was like yeah. right there yeah yeah that was stupid yeah that was a really stupid one that one haunts me a lot but you learn from your mistakes way to bring that but, up <laughs> so, well i was gonna <laughs> no, say so it's, it's a is it a bad idea to just walk through the woods going hey guys i'm a deer and just <laughs> run it <through? laughs> but, well if you're using a grunt call probably not <laughs> oh, I, do, I do really though think like the cadence is, is super important. I mean, it's something that I've like, I'm fascinated by like different cadences in the woods. Like when you really listen to different animals move around, like 
you know, I bet you could, I bet you could play audio of different animals, and you'd you'd be like, oh, that's a, that's a chipmunk, that's, that's a squirrel, yeah. that's a bird on the, you know, feeding in the leaves or whatever. I would just say that's a deer. <laughs> you, you ever yeah. notice how, like, when you're, in, especially like when you're in a tree stand or whatever, everything sounds like a damn deer. Yeah, but you know it's a squirrel, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. You f- you feel like it's it's a deer. It's just a squirrel. Or it's, it, I, I'm just think it's a squirrel, but it's a deer. I just got to be well, ready. <laughs> and so here's another factor, though, of what's in, what what really I do think is something important in in ground hunting. So, so I I like have ADHD, like diagnosed. I have a hard time focusing. So when I'm trees i can't focus at all like just i'm talking to my buddy i'm looking around looking at my phone i'm just like bored it's boring but when i ground hunt i have to be like i have to get in the zone and i can lock in you know i think i'm just more effective on the ground in general because like i'm not just going to be screwing around in the tree stand not paying any attention so i really um i really listen more than I do in any other hunting situation when I'm hunting off the ground. Like when I'm in like still hunting mode, I'm listening so closely. It's like, I would say almost as much or more as I'm listening when I'm turkey hunting. So when I'm turkey hunting, I'm listening for gobbles, obviously, but then also scratching, drumming, and all in scratching and drumming are really, really difficult to hear. So you'll sit there and you'll be like, you know, trying to use your superpower ears. I do the same. I now do the same thing deer hunting. I never hardly have, at least when I'm thinking I'm in the action, I hardly ever have a time where I'm like not super focused on listening to the point where like I can sometimes be annoying to my hunting partner because like, like if you start cracking open a granola bar and it's like halfway even close to a time that we're expecting a deer i'm coming unglued it's like i can't hear anything and what if all of a sudden one's coming you know on our weak side here and we can't hear it coming because we're eating a granola bar so like we've started even doing like well i'll be full (laughs) yeah yeah well keith keith and i started doing like we we started coming up with like specific strategy like you're gonna eat something and then I'm going to eat something. When I open my bar, I'm going to open it all right now, get it all out of the thing. I'm not going to sit and like try to, you know, because that's a funny thing that we do. We have this oh, tendency. Yeah. Oh, we're yeah. Gonna, <laughs> we're going to sit and we're going to crank, like we're going to do it slow, which ends up just being a lot of noise for a long time. So we started just opening them fast, making as much noise as like whoosh, crumple it up, put it in the pocket, done. And then you listen. And that's again comes into the plays into the I guess cadence thing. If you make a noise, give it a break always. So like, I'll draw draw you up a scenario. There's a classic scenario. You gotta go like down and under something. Like there's some sort of like overhang on the trail that you're going to that you have to kind of go up and under. And you're inevitably gonna get hung up on some stuff. It's just too tight. There's you know, you're trying to get through a spot that your head barely fits through, let alone like your shoulders and like my hair and whatever. You're going to pull stuff up through that. So like when I'm partner hunting or we're doing two guys with a bow and a camera, 
I really like to go one person through, like up and through and ready. Again, this is all when you're close proximity of where you think deer might be down and through and then pause and listen. Now that puts, for example, cameraman in a weird position where he may not be able to film exactly where, you know, where he can see the most or even the shooter, he may go down and through something. And when he stands up, he's just like, you know, oh man, I'm jammed up. But it's important to listen before you unjam yourself because especially as you get more and more into the season, you know, really from here on, anytime you make a sound that's a big sound, it may be calling a deer in. I mean, I'm sure it's happened to you guys at one point or another where you've been walking to a stand and all of a sudden here's a buck coming right at you. And he heard something that made him think there's another deer over something, there and he's yeah, coming in looking. Yeah. So every time you make that big noise, you have to almost uh, like, and I'm talking to the point where again, it's like the bow drawing thing. It's like annoying. It's like, you have to always be thinking I'm calling a deer in like, I gotta be ready. So the reason that I would prefer to go up and under something and then wait and listen to unjam myself is, is if at least I give it a second and I hear him start to come, I know I'm like, okay, I need to get prepared for right here, right now. And that's, I think that's really important when still hunting It's like, you need to get the visual or hear them before you make your next move. Because on the other hand, if you were to go up and under that thing, stand up, make some noise, then proceed to like break yourself, like push the grass back and, you know, bend the, you know, bend the, the branches or whatever out of the way. And then you're standing there. The deer could have already come in and heard that come all the way in and have spotted you moving around before you even knew it was there. Where if you gave it that second and he stands up, even if he's 30 yards away and it's super dense, like you might be able to just grunt and just rip everything off of you and just get ready. And like, we've been in that situation because we started doing that. We've been in that situation a lot, you know, over the last few years and it's a fun one to be in. It's that's the most intense, but if you don't give yourself that little break to listen, then you're going to be, you know, behind when he's coming in. And I think those are the, again, that's all those little subtle moves that you start doing and you become more and more confident in. And that's when, when it really becomes fun when you, when you're actually in that situation and like, you know, yesterday was a day too where a fir- kind of a first happened. If it wasn't a first, it was it, it was pretty close to a first. We're walking, we're walking, still hunting through a, a, a low lying area, and uh, we just Jake, you know, it was like naturally we just kind of went up to get a visual over this hillside, and Jake just crawled right up there. It was super windy, real gray light popped up it's like there's a buck right there 27 yards bedded looking like the wind at his back and we were sitting there with the perfect crosswind at him and like just because we were going just at the perfect cadence perfect speed blasting looking ahead like we were able to spot that buck and he just shot him as soon as he stood up you know and it's just like those those little things you know you do them over and over and over again and nothing happens you know you you unwrap the granola bar and put it in your pocket real fast and then listen before you start chewing on it and nothing happens. 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, maybe your entire bow hunting career, that exact situation doesn't pay off. But the one time that it does, it's like that's what makes all those times you practiced through your bow, you know, cleared the leaves out under your setup, you know, made sure you had the horizontal vertical cover, like paying attention to those like super, 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 super tiny details and just trying to get a little bit better at those every time you go out. Not putting your stupid bow behind you like a dumbass, like when you <laughs> rattle a buff in, you know, stuff like that. You know, you you know, you keep that was chipping one of away. the crazier ones I remember watching too. Like, yeah, that was stupid. He was just like was running just, all over the place. You know, it was such a shoe in, like if I'd have just had my bow in front of me, like I could have got away with anything. So I, I had plenty of room to draw. I'd practiced that a million times and like I just went, you know, my brain went stupid in the heat of the moment. And again though, like if you focus on those little details and you just have fun with the mistakes too, like, don't get me wrong. Like I definitely go through my waves where, you know, right after it happens, it might be like, Oh man, that sucked. And then like, you know, an hour later, I'm just like, son of a bitch. Like, why did I do that? Like you're <laughs> such an idiot. Like, it's just cuss- like super pissed off. And then, you know, a little bit later, I'm just like, ah, oh, whatever again, you know, you got to just kind of like, roll with it and like have have anger you know get frustrated be mad at your mistakes but then like really try to dig in deep to like how can i fix that how can i be better the next time and when you're doing that stuff and you're having fun with it and you don't have a super like specific expectation in your mind for what a hunt should look like or what buck you're even after like just let loose and just go have fun like you will become a better hunter period like maybe you have a couple tough years or maybe you have you know it takes you longer than it typically does to shoot something or whatever but like i guarantee you'll become a better hunter for it it'll make you better in every situation yeah that was one of my favorite days ever on and i actually really like hunting in the rain not heavy downpour but that day that day was perfect, man. Like it, yeah. I remember it was, I was, I did get wet because it was supposed to stop raining by let's say like 2 PM. And I got there right around two and it never stopped. <laughs> so after a while I got wet, but it was, it was just so fun because just like you were saying, like I, I could move it. I didn't make any sounds. Of course he didn't either, but yeah, it was just, it was, it was a, one of the most fun days I've ever had, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, re- I really would highly recommend like trying it to anybody that's slightly interested. And, you know, like I said earlier, I'm not, I'm I also don't, I don't want anyone to think like this is what I believe is the way you have to do anything or in any situation, like by all means, like there's definitely more than one way to do it. I guess I'm just speaking from my own experiences and what I've learned and what I, you know, view is important and, you know, not to say that it always is, you know, cause like everybody has a slightly different style. And like, I think that's what's so cool about hunting, you know, yep. it can be whatever you want it to be, you know, it's just like, um, you know, I, you know, we talk to a lot of people that really are into the, the to a big high scoring gear, for example. And like, that's, that's what they hunt for. And if you don't shoot a big high scoring deer in their eyes and they'll tell you a lot of times that you, you aren't a good hunter and you don't know what you're doing. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, that's not always what I want to get out of it. You know, sometimes, you know, just the experience that I got 
to get to that point of this, you know, two-year-old eight point coming down the pipe is like, maybe that's all you really needed in that situation. And it's a confidence boost and it, you know, and that's just, that's what I'm, you know, maybe I wanted to get out of that situation or maybe it was not what I anticipated, but after hunting my ass off for, you know, a week straight and then finally getting this one opportunity, it's like, maybe that's what, you know, yeah that's that's the reward sometimes again it it plays into that like cutting ties with an expectation of you know and it it, i think i feel like it was easy for me everything just you know when i look back and i tell that story of like the evolution of like getting into the ground hunting it's just like it all just worked out perfectly like it's crazy the timing of it like with my buddy you know, in college telling me about whitetail adrenaline, but then not watching it for, you know, years later. And then Eric showing that to me. And then, you know, the timing of Midwest whitetail, you know, us working at Midwest whitetail versus us starting THP, you know, meeting Jake, you know, all these things just played into it to where it's like the perfect, it just worked out, you know, that I ended up doing it that way. And I think that if little things were different, maybe I wouldn't even be here talking about this. I would have never got out of the tree stand, you know, but because I kind of just plunged into it and I did it, I feel like I want to just tell everybody like, Hey, do whatever you want. Go do what makes you happy when you're hunting. Cause if you're not having fun, if you're not having like the most fun, then to like stop yeah. because yeah, find a different we... way find a different way, not stop, but find a different way. Te- right. Yeah. Teach his own. Like you said, I mean, some people, shoot 200 inch deer every year and uh i mean that's and cool some and i would definitely enjoy that some people go out there and shoot dozed filled freezer i yeah. mean there's nothing wrong yeah. with any no. of it and i yeah. i like i said that day i would have shot evil eddie all day long if i could have if i could have legally yeah, shot him he wouldn't have scored <laughs> as a score goes that deer wouldn't have made 50 inches <laughs> but it would oh, not yeah. have mattered because it was a you know eight nine year old like monarch type of deer yeah. that I was, I was like a dream buck. I was just amazed I was, that I was right there with him. Um, like I said, I'll get I your was, number after this, and I'll I'll text you the video I took. I just took the video with my phone, and I'm just like, I can't shoot you. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. buddy, and I was so buddy. close to him that I was looking for every possible second, you know, two more points on one side. Like, is there anything on you? And there was nothing. He was just a clean devil looking deer. But a buddy, a buddy of mine, he was he hunts pa and he or that's where he lives and he had a buck one time i can't find a picture of it real easy i was gonna show you guys but he had a buck one time that was a six point just super wide super mature buck like been around the block six pointer and in rifle season just had him like 100 yards away couldn't shoot him and it's just like yep that sucks yep yep. (laughs) it's a weird it's a weird law there's to a, me, there and there because there's there are mature six pointers out there. Oh yeah, I've right. And, and it's tough too because it's like obviously the antler point restriction. Like you can't just leave it up to like, you know, you can't just be like to every hunter. If you're gonna have an antler point restriction, you can't just leave it up to every hunter to be like, yeah, shoot the you know you can shoot the old ones because then it's just like it's too gray area, right? Right. So they obviously can't do that. But it's like and I and I think antler point restrictions like. I, I, I like them. Like I got nothing yeah, against I'm, them. I'm, I'm for them. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's done wonders for uh, Pennsylvania. I think if, if, you know, if 
people do that. It's, it's, I don't think it's a big deal necessarily. I don't think it's taking away a whole lot of opportunity for people necessarily, but anyway, besides the point of my opinion on alien point restrictions, <laughs> it's just like, um, it's, it's still weird to like see, um, you know, where to me, honestly, my dream buck is just like a huge six or four point. Like I saw really? this, this kid. Yeah. Oh, I think it'd be so sweet, dude. Like, because what to me, what's the difference between a buck that's like the same age, right? You know, reaches five to eight years old. He's a super mature buck. To me, what's the difference between it? Truly, there is no difference, in my opinion, between a 170 inch five to eight year old buck and a 6.50 inch. But, you know, if he's got no antlers on his head and he's the same age, like if, what the hell? They're both six years what old. Makes, they're both six years old. Right. What yeah. makes a challenge of shooting him any different than him? Right. Well, nothing. Nothing. You know, ultimately, like nothing makes that. There's literally no difference except for what we've made up in our head is important. And that's that's what's silly about, you know, to me, like you know, why I don't get caught up, I guess, in score and everything. It's just like, and I honestly don't get caught up in age either because it's just like so many different situations call for different different you know trophies i suppose yeah well i mean it depends on where you are you hunt you've hunted all over america what i I don't i've never hunted there but i've always heard like michigan it's hard to kill a two-year-old buck there because they're they are so pressured all over the place Yeah, but then like but then like that night ted and i had a buck like at point two bucks one of which was at like point blank 15 yards that like I probably wouldn't shoot anywhere, honestly. Like, so it's just like, and that was in Michigan. So it's like, ah, yeah. you know, it literally it's, could it's be dependent around. on where you are in a certain area. Right. I mean, well, it could be know. dependent on like what type of effort you've been putting into it. Right. So like, yeah, maybe, you know, there's a bunch of like Magnum bucks running around, but if you've been there for seven days, for example, and you haven't had a deer in bow range, and one that's smaller than what you thought you were going to shoot comes in and you're pumped up and you're like, holy shit, like this buck's right here. And you make the shot and it's a perfect shot. Like success. You know, like, I think that's great. You it know? It's like in some days, some days a buck that gets me excited. You're, you know, some days there's a buck that'll get me excited that would not get me excited for, you know, hope like the next five trips but you know the situation's right and all of a sudden it's yep. just like man i'm struggling more than i thought and you said you know, it so. a buck a deer that gets me excited that that honestly and i know we're going off on a <laughs> side tangent here but we've talked about this so many times on our show like the the amount of judging that goes on in the oh, yeah the hunting world mm-hmm. is frankly annoying yeah oh, because yeah. you know for us as long as you're doing it legally that's all i really care about otherwise it's your tag not mine yeah you use it how you feel like you're going to use it right Um, until i start buying your own tag for you i don't why do i have a say as to what you're you're doing i mean as long as you're doing it legally and ethically yeah that's what i care about but and it's just yeah it's it's just one of these things that I mean, everybody wants to shoot a big buck, but it's like everybody's on a different schedule. Everybody's got different life. Everybody's got a different situation. Like you can't compare yeah. two guys hunting situations like in the United States. Can't like nope. that. You just can't. Like honestly, like we we get to hunt THP guys. We get to hunt so much. Like we don't get me wrong. We edit more, I think, than most people think we do. Like there's not like every single day of the hunting season we're out. And there's a lot of days too that we take 
off and go hang out with their girlfriends, stuff like that. I mean, it's it's super busy. It's months more than most, yeah. but like, you know, that's but that's what I'm saying too. It's like, yeah, you know, more we get to go more than most, but then there's also times where it's just like, man, I haven't gone in a while, and I'm missing these days because I got to do this other thing. <clears throat> so I've it's got, just like you can't compare. You I've can't got compare. a great buddy who is a a straight up killer, mm-hmm. and he told me one day, and it it I I I've always loved this saying. He said, I would rather kill a 140-inch deer every year than kill a 180-inch deer once every seven years. Yeah, exactly. He's like, that 140-inch deer, when we were just talking about that like argument, he's like, that 140-inch deer gets my blood pumping every single time. Every single time I see it. Yeah. And I'm, I am here. I only get to hunt. He's got a, a young family now, and he's busy. And he's like, I don't get to hunt very much anymore. Yeah, he might get a week or two every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, I'm going to enjoy myself. And uh, so, yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, Zach. Well, uh, I mean, honestly, well, one final thing I'll say is like 140-inch deer is a hell of a deer. And then, oh, yes, I mean, it is. Yeah, that's a big-ass big deer. Ass. I think you know, people don't like realize like what it takes to get 140 inches. That's it's a big that's deer. We were just we yeah. were just talking about that the other day because it's like you go you travel you know we travel all the time so you hear guys toss around like you know 160, 170, 140, whatever. Oh, you shoot a 140? It's like yeah, yeah, I'm gonna shoot a one. If I don't, if I'm anywhere in the country and I don't shoot what is truly yeah, 145. Yeah, I know. I that's why I was actually looking at him thinking that that's it's somewhere in there so it's like if i ever go somewhere and i don't shoot that then i think i don't i really don't even know what i'm doing to be honest like i can't see a situation in which i don't every single time like it's just and you know again it does it's it doesn't matter i think that's that's just the the thing i i i don't have any problem and i i really personally would choose at this point I would choose to always look for the biggest buck that I can find. You know, if I'm in a state, especially like where I can see a lot or whatever, I'm going to really try to hunt down something bigger than, you know, what I'm consistently seeing, I guess. But like, that's not like, it may be even one of those states, it might be like eight days in and it's just like, you know what? I got to do it. Like I got to Like I'm, I'm not had an opportunity at all. Like, and not because, not just be not for in like there's another thing you hear like oh pe- those guys shoot bucks for content it's like no it's like we shot bucks because it's like because I wanted to get, shoot it well and you get to a point where you're just like you know you you put so much effort into it you want to get something out of it I guess you want to get another experience where you get it's to just pull like that elk. Trigger. I mean I I hundred yeah. percent it's just like elk with us at this point like I've yeah. been going for five or six years now and I've not killed one yet. Mm-hmm. My first year, they're like, well, what are you going to shoot the first day? Well, the first few days, I'm going to hold out for a bull. Now it's day one. The first legal thing that walks in front of yeah. me is dead. Yeah. Because you realize how difficult it is. Yep. And when you've been putting in, what, 10, 10 days a year or however long we get to go now, seven days a year at right. this point for how many years, I'm not. there's not a shopping list. If it's a legal <laughs> animal, it's it's yeah, going to eat an arrow and then yeah, I'll move I, know, on. I know. Trust me, I know all about it. It's like, and I think that's what's funny though. You know, it's like, so look at that mentality and look at how many people have that mentality, right? They're like, they're the type, 
a deer hunter that is only going to shoot a big buck. They're never going to settle for any less. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this. I'm just saying, like, like look at the, how the perspective changes. They're really confident that they're going to shoot a big buck. They've been in that, you know, they've been in the enough situations that they know now that, like, I if I hold out for something that fits this category, I know that I can achieve that. So that kind of becomes routine. That becomes an expectation. But then it's like, as soon as all of a sudden you realize that, ooh, this is something new. I'm elk hunting. This is new. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never been in this situation. I'm several years in, I'm a shot one. Now it's like, oh, I'll just shoot anything. And it's like, ton, you hear that? You'll hear that about tons and tons of elk hunters. But then it's like, what? What changes? Well, it changes because you were in your comfort zone. You were set up in that comfort zone, just like, well, I know I'm going to shoot this type of whitetail, but then all of a sudden you're out of your comfort zone, you're elk hunting, doing something completely different, something totally new to you. And then it's just like, oh, well, now the expectation changes. And I think that it's just so interesting to see whitetail guys do that, like, because yeah. it's totally a thing. I mean, it's like, you've, you've, you've talked to tons of people that that are yeah. that way, you know? And, and again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just no, saying like- not at all. And it can change it, from like- What's the question you asked me last week before I said, hey, I'm going public tomorrow? I asked if a 120-something walks out, are you shooting it? My first response was yes. Mm-hmm. Because now – but what's funny is that might have been a different response if I was on my piece of private because mm-hmm. it's it's about goals you set for yourself, right? right. Like I, I have not killed a buck on public ground before. Yeah. So if a legal buck walked in front of me that day, he was going to get shot. Yeah. Dude. Whereas, you know – a a two-year-old i don't know just decent little basket rack eight walked out in my private ground in front of me he probably would have walked those two areas are not that far apart from each other and those two deer wouldn't have been much different from each other but it's just like what goals do you have for yourself in general yeah and what and can you get out of your comfort zone are you willing to get out of your comfort zone to try something different you know like i just look at it like you know when when I've hunted with a lot of, of my friends that like kind of go through that, like, you know, should I shoot him like mentality? And I'm never going to sit here and say what you should and shouldn't shoot. That's obviously your choice, but it's like, how many people do you know truly that have shot even a buck on public land? Well, that's a stepping stone, right? So it's like, if you've never done that, maybe factor that into your decision because it's like, now, how many people have ever shot a buck on public land? How many people have ever stocked up on one, you know, with a doe? Or, you know, how many people have shot one from a ground set? Have you ever done that individually? Do you want to do that? Like, does that, that's going to factor into how you decide that in that moment. I just think, you know, it's yeah. like, it sounds like the buck Jake just shot yesterday was by far like not his biggest buck and in the moment i could tell he was going to shoot it you know i've seen jake shoot i filmed jake shoot bigger bucks like i know but i can tell he's going to shoot this thing like we don't really talk much he's like he tells me the yardage i get some footage of the buck we start making like making the final moves and it's like in that moment everything just like checked the boxes for him to where he decides he's going to do it. And I can tell, I can read him. I can see that that I can see yep. that he's feeling that and he does it. And we have no regrets. Light you know, turn green. Yeah. Yeah. 
Buck's dead. What, like, what's the term? Oh, send it. I'm going yeah, <laughs> to send it. Okay, yep. funny, funny, interesting fact of this. Dropped him in his tracks. Oh, so, really? Spine? Like that. Was it a spine hit shot? Him, hit him right here and hit through like all the art. I mean, he yeah. was like geysering blood and it hit him in the spine and broke his spine. And wow. just like died right there. Back is broken. <laughs> what kind of injury? Spinal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like shooting with a rifle. Is what it was like. That's crazy. It was crazy. That's crazy. I mean, Twenty-two yards, and like he just made a—he really did make a perfect shot. And I think that also is just like you know another one of those deals where is it just a good confidence boost? No matter what the deer is, it's just good to make a good shot. Yeah, it makes yep. you feel good. That's for sure. Well, Zach, before we hop off here for you uh, with you tonight, why don't you uh, tell the listener how they can uh, watch you guys and and. Uh, check out thb the hunting public so youtube is where we have the most um content in general we also have shows on amazon and like sometimes you know people message us being like when are you going to put more on amazon and like we will put more on i think the plan is always to keep putting it on there but like there's way more content on youtube so i always just try to send people there and then we also have a podcast um, you can find it on any podcast platform. And then um, also, you know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, um, all that cool stuff. So, nice. yeah, Hunting Public. If you just Google the Hunting Public, you'll probably find probably find different ways to watch, listen, interact. It's, so. it's really good stuff. I mean, like I said, we're, we've are we been big fans of it since you guys started doing it. So, yeah. Thank you. Um, Zach, we really appreciate this late night talk. Um, as you're editing, which you haven't got to edit for the last two hours because you've been talking yeah. to us. So uh, we appreciate your time tonight, man. I really enjoyed this topic, especially since I'm starting to kind of jump off into this a little bit this year, a little more than I used to. So um, Zach Farrenball with The Hunting Public, we appreciate your time tonight, man. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. I really, really enjoyed the conversation. And, you know, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about the things that I think are important when you're out there. And, you know, again, I just want to hammer home, like, you know, do whatever makes you happy. Don't necessarily listen to me or anyone in particular, just make your own strategy and have fun with it. And yeah. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. I, I had a blast. Awesome. Awesome, man. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you later. See ya. See ya. Thank you, Zach, for, uh, staying up late. I know, I know you're tired. You're hunting all the time, traveling, and trying to get, get stuff edited. Trying to get stuff editing. So we really appreciate you notching out a few hours of your day to uh, spend it with us. You know, it was uh, gave us a lot of good information, uh, a lot of stuff that kind of shows like what kind of guys you know, yeah, I are mean, in like, this industry with us. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, this is a guy that doesn't know us at all, and is busier than shit right now. Yep, with hunting and editing and all that and literally two hours after i message him we're recording a show with him and we did a two-hour podcast yeah and so, he gave us all the time yeah and we i mean we probably could have went longer i mean it's just that's the type of people they are so uh, we really appreciate that hopefully you guys got something out of it i'm sure you did uh so maybe you should go put it to work this coming week so, yep get uh, out there go hunt all right Bye. See you. See you.